0: Welcome to the Q Podcast, Conversations in Digital Media, where we discuss current trends, valuable tactics, client success stories, and strategy in the digital marketing space. I'm your host, Zach Horn, G, Director of Client Success with Q1 Media, a digital media services company working with national, regional, and local brands and agencies for the last 16 years. Let's enter the Q and introduce our guests today. We have Joe Bellavance with Bellavance Consulting, and Matt Magnarelli, Regional Sales Manager here at Q1 Media. Welcome and good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Zach. Thanks for, thanks for joining me here in the queue. Uh, I'd love to get things started off by getting a little background on both you gentlemen, uh, kind of your uh, your quick Friday version stories of, of who you are, and, and we can go from there. Awesome. You
1: want me to kick off?
0: Yeah, go ahead, Joe.
1: <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, so Joe Belavance, um yeah, I spent 30 years in higher education. Um, I spent 20 years at three different institutions. Uh, supervising and leading the enrollment offices, and then um, spent the next 10 years with the college board, um, which for people who are familiar with the college board, makers of the AP exams, SATs, PSATs, and, uh, and supervised their enrollment division uh, for 10 years before two and a half years ago going out on my own and starting my own consulting business and really focused on working with higher education institutions and helping them uh, you know, to to find the, the right audience, the right prospects, and uh, create the right messaging to connect the two to help them with their enrollments. That's Maybe. the reader digest condensed version.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great. How about you, Matt? Sure. I'm Matt Magnarelli.
2: I'm one of the higher education experts at Q1 Media. Uh, my background is for the last 20 years, I've been helping ad agencies, media placement companies, uh, colleges, universities, and other institutions to find their audience, figure out how to find them, reach them on whatever the the, the social media or digital marketing du jour is, uh, measures, measure the results, and then figure out, you know, learn something and do something more. In, in, a, in one sentence, I help institutions make their data actionable. And, uh, you know, Joe and I met and have done a lot of work together. So Joe, I appreciate you jumping on today.
0: No, oh, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What's the history with you guys? How long do y'all actually think that y'all have worked together in this capacity, you know, working together to make sure you're, you know, hitting higher education and, and providing the data there for to, to successfully kind of implement these plans?
1: So uh, I started J. Bellavance Consulting in uh, March of 2019. And uh, so, yeah, Matt and I got introduced shortly after that through another colleague uh, who works in this space. And yeah, Matt, I'll never forget Matt and I met for a beer at a local pub and he took my phone and says, can I just look at this for a second? I'm like, sure. And he showed me everywhere I had been for the last couple of months and all the technology that's behind the QM media stuff. And he was both scary and enlightening and, and uh, exciting uh, all at the same time. So uh, and we've been working closely together with a number of clients uh, ever since.
0: Yeah. Great.
2: Joe, that's funny. It figures you had to start off that we met over a beer. I think everyone <laughs> <laughs>
0: probably believe that one. <laughs> It's that Boston charm. <laughs>
1: there you go. Exactly. It's an Irish pub. So, you know.
0: Great. Well, the topic of this uh, this podcast is really going to center around the four P's to reaching parents is something that Joe has built out and him and Matt have worked together on for the last couple of years. But I really would like to start off with Joe, kind of getting your insight on higher education, where it's kind of been and how we've been marketing toward it for the last decade, and then how you've kind of seen it now progress into this kind of new era, and really where you've started to build these four P's. But I'd love to kind of get right off the bat your your uh, your thoughts on higher education and kind of the where it's progressed and where it's been and where it's going.
1: Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, I actually led the enrollment offices for three different institutions in New England over a 20 year period. Um, and and I have to say, having been in this industry for such a long time, um, the one thing I'm encouraging all my by uh, clients and, and colleagues and friends to do is if you didn't read it, you know, many years ago, go back and pick up the book, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson uh, because higher education is, has moved. and shifted considerably, especially in the last couple of years. Um, and excuse me, one of the things that I noticed when I was a parent and I had, <coughs> excuse me, I had three children go through this process and I was in the middle of becoming, I was the Dean of Admissions and Enrollment Overseeing this process when my young or oldest son was starting to look at school. <coughs> <I'm> sorry, Zach.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it's okay.
1: Yeah, um, but anyway, so so um, it was interesting as a parent um, because i had been doing this this job for 14 years when when my son was going through the process in high school and looking at colleges, and for the first time I started to see it through the eyes of a parent. And with all three children um, over a 10-year period of of uh, recruitment of my three kids. I got one piece of literature in the mail as the parent. Everything was directed to the students, and in my job, that's what I did. I, you know, we would we would go out and license names of students from the College Board and ACT and some of these other student sources, and reach out directly to the student and talk about the wonderful benefits of our institution. And then when I went to join the College Board, um, I was actually the person behind the scenes that was working with that student search program and saw it from that perspective. And then the. the All the information that students were getting, the things that they were doing, and and again, there was not an emphasis on parents. Now through this pandemic, one of the things we've really noticed is, uh, excuse me, one second.
0: Hey, I'm drinking drinking tea with
1: you. (laughs) You know, as soon as I start talking, I got you know, goes in the wrong pipe, and now I'm lost (laughs) for everyone. But anyway, one, you know, we. have in this pandemic, one of the things that happened was it literally shut down higher ed- higher education yeah. um, opportunities to reach out to students directly, either through college fairs, going and standing at a table, talking to students as they come to the table, um, going to high school visits. Because again, we shut down; nobody could travel, could do anything, right? Um, and then the students were no longer in the classrooms; they were no longer, you know, the SAT, ACTs were still testing students, but the volume was dramatically lower and so for a lot of institutions especially those middle tier schools where you don't have a lot of brand recognition you know you're not a harvard or yale you're not a you know a princeton um we relied a lot on what i call proactive activities going out and getting in front of people and talking to them and getting and generating the interest that way harvard has a brand that everybody knows and you know and they will generate interest without having to go out and do all those other things and so one of the things I've learned in the last couple of years, and I've really tried to encourage my clients to do, is to start thinking about reaching out directly to the parents. Because during this pandemic, what I've noticed with our middle tier schools, you know, especially first generation students, low income students, um, there's not that same driving force that there was a couple of years ago. When you go to school every day, and somebody says, "Oh, you got to take the SATs this Saturday. Did you register? Um, you know, it's time to fill out your applications." there was no anchor point for that student. And it was really relied on the parent to push the motivation because, you know, the kids are unfortunately were struggling with which Zoom class am I on today? And am I in the class or am I, you know, on Zoom and, and juggling this whole hybrid world? And so, so what I've done is and working closely with Matt and, and a couple of other partners is really started to develop this parent program where we're reaching out directly to parents of high school students, because we know that they're the ones that are, that are driving this process during this time. And the other part of this that um, that came along within the last few years that's driven some of this is all the new privacy laws around minors. You know, it started in the European Union and some of those things. And, and again, in my time with the College Board, we were really struggling with, you know, the whole data privacy, the data protection and, and thinking about that, especially when you're dealing with minor information, you know. And so, so it became even more clear to me that, we need to do a better job of reaching out directly to the parents and and thus the start of this program and um yeah it's it's really taken on a, a kind of a life of its own and, and colleges are starting to realize and, or have realized for years that they've got to reach out to parents but I never knew really how to do that we always relied on the student to tell us about their parent you know and uh, mm-hmm. complete a form that says here's my mom or my dad's you know email address and you know and here's their their phone number. And, and, 16, 17-year-olds aren't going to take the time to fill in their own name, let alone their parents and all that other information, right? So that's when I started to develop this this program where we reached directly to the parents. And that's where I think, you know, we have shifted a great deal in higher ed that it's, it's become more important to reach parents and to find new ways to reach students. You know, gone are the days where you just put up a billboard, you know, and everybody that drives by sees it, you know, or... Newspapers. I've got one client right now that does a lot of traditional newspaper and in traditional radio advertising because you know in their local community, trying to support the local community. But the reality is, when you're trying to draw 500 new students, you can't get them all from your neighborhood. So,
2: yeah, Mr. I think that. Yeah, go ahead, Max. Yeah, no, you brought up something interesting, and I was on a, a webinar with one of the folks from from Harvard, and uh, he actually said because he wasn't able to. To go out and reach people in the traditional methods you know I call it sneaker net, visit the schools and all those things so it's interesting you mentioned Harvard he said their digital media outreach allowed them to broaden their their uh, diversity within this year's incoming class because they were able to reach further and they were kind of forced to and it was a a positive thing that they said with it and I think the the other piece that I would underscore when we talk about parents is. It's not just the parents, right? It's in that same household. It's the parents and the kids at the same time with a similar message, and yeah. I think that's something that we've worked. for, You yeah. tasked me with that. You said, Matt, this is this is what you and your team needs to do. You need to find me how to get into this home uh, across multiple devices and, and things like that. So uh, I just wanted to say that it's funny that you brought up harvard when when he was on uh, the BBJ uh, webinar just a couple of weeks ago, mentioning this and. I realize I probably should have screenshotted that and, and put it out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, there's something I want everybody to take away from this podcast today is, you know, we, we mentioned Harvard and we work with you know, community colleges and everybody in between. And one of the things I've discovered over my 30 years in higher education is everybody has the exact same challenges, just with a different audience. So whether you're Harvard or an Ivy League institution, you still have some challenges, right? To to shape your class and bring in and reach those different um, audiences that you might not normally be able to receive. Again, because of your your brand and your reputation, you might not be thought of by that first generation student. So Harvard has to work a little bit harder to get that class. And, And so the thing that stands out for me though is so everybody has the same challenges just with a different audience. And for me, it's about helping every institution I work with to identify who they are, who they serve really well, and then finding them, those students, and sending that message. And the second piece of that, the other piece of advice I always give my clients is to really understand your role. I think where higher ed gets lost sometimes is is they try to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And over my 30 years, what I've learned is to really understand who are the students that I'm serving? What are they like? What are their characteristics? And if I'm doing a really good job with them, then let's tell the world about that, what I'm doing for that audience, as opposed to trying to be something for everybody. Because when you try to be all things to all people, you're nothing to anybody, right? And you've lost your identity and, and who you are. And so those are some of the things I think, keep in mind, no matter where you are on, on you know, on the uh, food cycle, so to speak, you know, or, you know in, in terms of your higher education reputation and, and selectivity rate.
0: Absolutely. I think the evolution of the industry and the evolution of programmatic and and big data and things like that have made it even easier to be able to locate that exact audience that you mentioned that you're looking for. You know, Like you said, everyone has the same challenges, but with a different audience. I think with the data that's out there, whether it be first or third party, you have the ability to locate the exact student that a university is looking for.
1: Yeah, and I think higher ed is just starting to get into this realm of big data the issue is they don't know what to do with it it's like everybody wants the easy button and we all have these crm systems that can produce all these wonderful column flows and such but it's putting it in context what does that mean and how do i you know maybe this is who my audience really is but then what's the message that that drives them to engage me
0: so absolutely which is why Absolutely. Well, I'd like to uh, shift into the four P's of reaching parents. This is something that you have built. You work with Matt on as well, and uh, and I'd love for you to kind of explain what the four P's are. Go, you know, step by step, each one. Uh, obviously, it'll be a lot of you explaining this for our audience, for the podcast audience here. But I think this is extremely important, especially with uh, what you're doing, what you, uh, Matt is doing with you, to helping these higher education, you know, colleges, universities, community colleges, like that find you know, reach out to not only the student and the parent and find the right audience for them.
1: Yeah. So um, many, many moons ago when I was in college and taking, uh, you know, to marketing, the four P's were product, price, promotion, place. Um, and, and, and basically you had to learn those things. And that's how you, you went forward with your marketing strategy. Today, in my opinion, that has changed to profile, prospects, prepare, And placement and and so what I'm doing with with my clients is walking through that process of really understanding those things and so in profile it's really building a customized consumer behavior profile of you know what we do is we look at here's all the students that are currently enrolled at your institution and then what we do is we take all that information and we take it back through a a consumer behavior profile that looks at over 200 attributes to really understand what is that household like. So a lot of our institutions focus on the academic side and, and rightly should. You know, we, we understand that student based on SAT, ACT scores, GPA, class rank, all those things coming out of that high school. But we don't always know a lot about what's going on in the household itself, you know, and looking at, what is the household income? What is the wealth? Uh, how many in that family? You know, are there three, four children? Is it just a you know one child? You know, all those things. So, what we do is the first step is to really build a profile, not only academically, but consumer behavior-wise around what does that home look like? Um, how does it respond to different things? And and so getting that profile built and, and really understanding that, and then once we have that then it's a matter of going out finding out okay where do more of those prospects live Um, and so working with um virtual dbs uh, you know a large database management firm uh, we can go out and look at 250 to 300 million household records to say okay now that we've built this profile show me where more of those those folks live what those households where do they reside um and what's nice about higher education is you know yes these are adult populations and these are the adult information but we can identify those households with a 16 17 or 18 year old there um, within that household so we can narrow it down to only those who have high school students present um, and again using their profile identify those homes that have all the same lookalikes um, you know and, and built in so that we make sure that we're getting to the right place so for instance you know, if you're doing Google ads, it might be a lookalike that says, "Okay, we're looking for all households over $150,000 in income." But with ours, what we're doing is we're looking at all households maybe with income of $100,000 and higher, but has a 16 or 17 year old there um, that also has a wealth score of a certain level because you have to have some discretionary income. As we spoke earlier before the podcast about what it costs to go to school now, right? And some of all of these these other things that that play into that, so we can narrow it down from you know, 100 uh, households in that neighborhood that look a certain way to the 20 that are really the targeted ones that, that uh, contain the type of student that would engage us and would enroll. Joe, um, can, I,
2: can I interject just with one thing? That absolutely. absolutely important? I get asked this all the time when I'm presenting what you do. And someone always says, you know, how's that different than going into social media and doing a look-alike audience? And I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> first and foremost what you're talking about is people that are buying the product people that have bought the product got through the other side ha- can evangelize can evangelize the institution people that are actually purchasing the product which is much different than people that are applying let's say or people that are just inquiring that's the first thing and secondly in inside of social media the challenge with those look-alike audiences within social media first off you're probably not taking just the people that are paying for it. You have to actually match them back to the household level, which is a hard thing to do without a specific address. And and social media doesn't do that. But more importantly, social media just says this person likes the same thing inside of social media. It has nothing to do with whether they can afford it or whether they, they like something that would is a drive or live in a specific location or, or something like that. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's the one question I always forget to answer and somebody inevitably asks it. So I just wanted to circle back to it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good, important point because it is so different what we're seeing. The results that we're seeing are much stronger than, than just blanketing something out there, right? It's, it's, it's the difference between putting up a billboard that a lot of people drive by and see it and putting in a, a banner ad on a mobile device as you do with the specific audience who's getting ready to purchase that type of product. It's, you know, again, the example I always use is, you know, I go on to Home Depot and review, you know, backyard fire pits. And every time I go online now, I'm getting an ad from Home Depot saying, hey, here's our fire pits, take a closer look, you know? And because I, I'm right for that, that audience as opposed to just a consumer who is a homeowner and that's the best that they know. Yep. Um, so then the, the third step of this, Zach, is, is prepare. And so we've developed a profile. We know a lot more about who we're trying to reach. We now know where those new people that look exactly like that are living and residing. The third piece is to really prepare a message that connects. And where I see so many institutions going awry is they've got these five things that they want to talk about about their institution they just find are wonderful about their institution. And that's great, you know, if you're going to do like a broad branding program. But what we really do is focus a lot of time and attention on understanding the message that's going to be relatable to the prospects that you've just selected. You've taken the time and the energy, um, you know, to identify who your, your students are. And you now identify where more of those new students reside let's not miss the opportunity to to reach them by just saying that we're a small intimate caring community every small college in america is going to say that or if you're a large university you know it's kind of like the, we have you know endless opportunities as, as a large university um, so it's really thinking about what's going to be top of mind for the person who's, who's receiving that message and getting it to them and then uh, you know the the fourth piece and this is where matt and i really collaborated a lot is okay we've we know who our prospects are or you know who our, our profile is we know where our prospects are we've built the message now how do I find them and so the fourth p is placement um, you know I mentioned before you, you can put up a billboard and spend twenty thousand dollars a month you know to get everybody driving through Boston to see your ad but what we really want to do is get in front of them where they are and the reality is today with streaming TV and streaming audio and everything else it's very difficult to get in front of your audience anymore, right? I'm living proof, you know, I have a DVR, like I I don't watch shows live anymore, you know, a DVR and then I can fast forward through the commercials and such. And so the one place that I can't avoid is my mobile device. And so, you know, I go in, I check the, uh, you know, my score app to see how the Bruins did, which by the way, they're headed to the next round. We're all happy about that here (laughs) in the the New England area. but, you know, I go in there and sure enough, I get a banner ad on something. And and that's where, you know, they are target, They know exactly who I am and what my interests are. And so, you know, Matt and his magic and, and you folks at Q1, that's I rely on you to help me to get my message. I, I spent a lot of time and energy these first three steps. Now I want to make sure that it gets in front of people at the right time. You know, and, and that's the other thing is, is timing is a big part of this. And so building campaigns, you know, around the time of year. When students and families are starting to think about where they're applying to colleges, you know, we can, and Matt knows this, we, we work together on this a lot, is we can bump up campaigns at certain times of the year and draw them back in other times of the year. So we just kind of keep the messaging out there. But then all of a sudden, it's October, November, and students are starting to think about applying, ramp it up, and, and, and get these in front of not only the students, but the parents. Because it's the parent who's, you know, again, as somebody who's put three kids through college, I know it's the parent that's driving that bus and saying, hey, time to get these applications in, you know, and, uh, and so that's, that's why we've we've gone in this direction. And so, yeah, so that's, you know, the, the four Ps that we, that I've developed. And so 30 years after taking the marketing course, um, is that right? Oh no, it's closer to 40 years, 38 years after taking that marketing course, uh, you know, I've kind of changed the Ps and. Um, but it's, it's the reality of, you know, we're all evolving and and, and things are changing and we got to change with them.
0: And Matt, can you kind of explain the placement for us with Q1 media and working with Joe and with his clients? Sure. I mean, that's really,
2: I think what's changed about the way I look at where the media is placed for our clients in the higher education space, right? No longer are we just looking for people because most people came from a certain zip code or or people have a certain SAT score, things like that. We're going all the way down to the household level and we're finding the devices in that household. And when we find those devices in the household, that's the first part, Joe's done his thing. He's identified at the household level with hundreds of pieces of data that that can't be done any other way where you can find lookalikes this way. Getting to that household level is the first thing. And then secondly, You know, there's been a lot, and one of the things that's going to change this year uh, that I've seen a lot, and it changed, started changing last year is, you know, when you start to overlay that the leadership wants to be on specific social media or they want it to be on an 80 inch television screen with unskippable data before the parents are binge watching something, right? So now what what Joe is bringing us is the household level. Our job from a placement is to find out what are the kPIs, what, what are the, what's this institution really trying to do? and what's that messaging? So what we're often doing is segmenting that. A great example, Joe, is we've got a, a school uh, in New England that asked us, if I, I think you and I work together in this it says, come to the University of X for the in-state tuition price of University of Massachusetts, right? So they were able to segment their audience by you live out of state, you get one message. You live in-state, you get another one. And the folks that were in-state, there was an affordability message that was different, but it was still an affordability message that resonated with a certain segment of that audience that they were going after that Joe had identified that was was underrepresented, underrepresented in their uh, people that were matriculating into their class, and there was a lot of those folks available in in the world or, or or in their footprint for us to go after. So we were able to see that there was a space there. So oftentimes, what we're doing is we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we segment this data, and then does the institution need a certain social media? Is the leadership saying I need to be on TikTok? Right, that's something that happens all the time, and the great thing about about working at Q1 and having some of, of the best tools in our digital marketing toolbox is being able to identify that household and say, "Hey, well, if you went to work with TikTok, you're going to hear every school is going to hear this from their leadership this year. But we need to be on TikTok. We need. We heard it last year, but most people couldn't execute it. Um, and the reason a great example is uh, one of my customers mentioned that." Only 17% of community colleges across the country are on TikTok. And at first glance, you'd say, well, that's a huge opportunity for them. But really, TikTok only allows statewide or DMA targeting for geography. And I don't know any community college that covers a whole state. I think there's what, 15 in Massachusetts, Joe? You might know. Um, yeah. And they all have, you know, three dozen zip codes. So we're able to do things like work with Joe and say, in these locations, in these zip codes, let's find people that look like our, our best students. Let's, with our technology, find the mobile devices that live in those homes. And then let's tag that mobile device, tag it simply means grab the device ID number, kind of like a social security number or a VIN number, VIN number on your car. And we're able to get down to the household level and say I only want the TikTok profiles that are in these 40,000 homes in our footprint in Massachusetts or whatever it is that covers it. And Joe, to your point, you know, this is kind of like taking the billboard analogy you had one step further, you know. Most people say, "Well, I want to be on TikTok, I have to do the whole state." Well, no, there's ways to get down to the specific household level. And that holds true both in social media, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, but also on our 80-inch TV or our streaming audio devices. We're able to get down to that household level where the parent and the child are and sometimes even be able to identify the parent or the child by what apps they have on their phone and things like that to be able to segment that message out. So what I've seen from a placement change it's, it's the world of big data. Joe said it, right? And it's it's the evolution of when we did direct mail where I cut my teeth you know, 20 years ago in the world of big data, we didn't mail to everybody in the state. We use the data available to put a 44 cent piece of mail in someone's mailbox. Really, it hasn't changed. And I think that people that understand that from a data perspective, Joe, your clients, have really challenged us to use our technology. You know, thinking back to the day we had the beer and you said, okay, now how do we use this? And I had to think about it for a minute and said, well, what are you trying to do? And you came up with this, you know, this grandiose idea that I'm sitting there saying, yeah, this is doable. Why didn't I think of it? Um, so that's really <laughs> what I've seen change. And and the thing where we have so much experience in the, in the higher education space, we also know if you want to be in the home and you want to do TikTok, you know, what type of results should we be looking for? How do we measure that? How do we align expectations with you and your leadership team that says, you know, we've done this before and it's been off the hook or we've done this before. And, uh, you know, I always say experience is is using other people's money um, to learn something. And, um, and it's never been more so than in this case. And, And Joe, we've been through a lot of campaigns where we've, learned a lot and, and it's amazing how quickly when you're when you define that audience you reach them and you're thinking about measuring them from day one how you're able to be nimble and pivot you know two weeks into a campaign and say wow this is you know we had one where uh the ap students that we that we saw were really performing off the charts it's like is there any more budget to go towards that because they are spending more time more session time on on this school's website than anybody, right? So that's what I've seen, seen change for sure.
1: And I think it, Matt raises a really good point that I, you know, I was thinking about hadn't, this hadn't really crossed my mind before in this way, but I used to teach effective business communications and MBA program. And, you know, to boil it right down, you've got a sender and you've got a receiver, right? And, and so mm-hmm. it's like the institution is the sender. We're trying to send a message and the receiver, we want them to receive it. And I think where we've struggled in the last few years is technology has just shot off the charts. And so the yeah. learning curve is straight up. And to Matt's point, it used to be as a sender, I would send out these postcards, you know, and they would get it in the mail and they would take some sort of action. In fact, remember, you know, the, the BRE, the business reply envelope. So you used to get That's those envelopes back. You know, I mean, we made it really easy to put it in the mail and send it back. The, where, where I think a lot of us are struggling, especially, you know, and I will use myself as an example. You know, somebody has been in this industry for so many years is that the technology has advanced so quickly that the channel has changed. The channel used to be pretty easy. We would send out view e-book or a postcard, you know, and we'd get something back. It was about the mail. And then email came along. And, while well, we, we adapted that pretty well as older folks, and we did okay. But now there's so many places that we can send our message through. We don't know which ones to choose and which ones are correct, you know, because it could get lost you know or, or you know and we just don't know if it hit it so what we're trying to do i think is bring people back to the fact that this this hasn't changed we have a sender we have a receiver and we use it we're using channels to communicate and the key to that is making sure the message is correct and it's going through the channels that people are going to see it um, and and so if we break it down to that it, it's pretty simple but then i go and talk to matt and realize just how complicated it still is because there's a million different directions of programmatic and yeah. all the stuff that we can do and but again that's where you know partnerships have helped because people can help us identify where those eyes are and getting in front of them.
0: No, absolutely. I'm a stats guy and you know earlier Matt was talking about TikTok. You know, TikTok is the fastest growing platform out there right now. I mean, they're saying that it's uh, by the end of this year it's going to surpass uh, Gen Z users of an Instagram or a Facebook and they you know it's going to already and they're, they're saying with TikTok they expect it to completely surpass total Instagram by 2025, this year alone, Snapchat. So you have the TikTok growth, which is great because Q1 Media works with that. And we allow, we work with Joe and we we bring that audience, you know, that opportunity to the table. But then also, like you mentioned earlier, you know, things have changed from mail to email and then you have linear television. Now it's the birth of connected TV OTT. You're looking at 68% of people over the course of the pandemic and at post pandemic that we're kind of getting into now have completely cut. Uh, cord cut away from, you know, linear, tele- to linear television. And now the great thing about connected TV and OTT is like you mentioned earlier, you DVR everything and you fast forward through the commercials. Well, guess what? If you're watching a Hulu or if you're watching a Discovery Plus or a Paramount Plus, you know, you actually are the the user, the, the user and the viewer is sitting there and they're actually watch having to watch those commercials. So yeah. your ad is getting in front of a, a family, a student and also a parent and they're sitting there and they're watching two to three minutes of commercials through the commercial break. Whereas if you were running on linear TV and there's just a DVR option, you're probably just fast forwarding through that. So you're able to hit that whole new audience because of cord cutting and actually engaging a household now much more than you would on linear television.
1: Absolutely. And, and the, the one fallacy that I hear from people is well, if you're trying to reach parents, Joe, then, you know. Why would I do mobile device? Because you know they're they're still doing television and this. And that. I'm like, no, they're not. I'm like, trust me, I I'm that guy, you know. And and it's like I live on my phone, and you know, and and we're talking about people who are typically you know five to ten years younger than I am that have that the age group of students that we're looking for, and you know, all of our work, are, you know, we live on our devices, and you know, we're doing streaming TV now as opposed to linear TV, and um, and so don't yeah. think for a second that you know, because it's new to you, that it's new to everybody else. It's, it's not, we, we just know that. And again, we have to change with the times, you know, people have moved our cheese and it's time to go seeking the new cheese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. And to recap, uh, you know, I know we're kind of getting to the end of this, but, you know, you know, really to recap, the four P's of reaching parents, there's profiling, you profile, model, past students you know, prospects, you find households for the best prospects based on the model, prepare, prepare message to reach households and in placement, of course, you're working with Q1 media to try to find the right place, whether it be a TikTok or it be a TikTok, a, a connected TV, like a Hulu, and then also traditional display and video across the internet as well. Would that, would that be fair to say that's kind of the, you know, to recap the 4P in a, in a nice condensed version?
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. And-
2: I had, I had just two things that, that I thought were important that, um, you know, we talked about this from, from a, you know, finding prospects and getting them into the inquiries, right? Getting them into that, getting them into that admissions funnel. You know, could we talk a little bit about some of the things that we're doing for yield campaigns, people that are already in that admissions funnel and then and then separately we could probably have a oh geez a whole different podcast about this i know um that i get asked this question all the time too and, and i'm sure you do what about at the graduate level does this work right what about from yeah. professional studies and and, yeah. and i don't know whether we do whether this is a, a short answer or i put it on the spot but i think those are two things that uh you know we talked about maybe one fifth of, of what we do, but I think it, I think it kind of moves in these two other categories of inside the sales funnel. You know, we talked about big data, what happens now that we have this data and they're in the funnel. Now, what do we do, Joe? You know, we, yeah. we hired you to help us get, get people into the admissions funnel but also get them past that drop, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So a- you raised you raise a couple of really good points. So those who are already in the funnel, these are students who've already raised their hands, said, "Hey, I'm interested." We can take that group of, you know, let's say there's fifty thousand prospects, you know, and twenty thousand of them have raised their hands, said, "I'm I'm really interested in XYZ University." Um, we can take that twenty thousand, run the predictive model you know, through the 20,000 and get a better idea again of their households and what's going on there. And so if we now understand that this student who raised their hand is maybe lower middle class and, you know, and struggling a little bit, we want to talk to them about financial aid and our, in our generous programs. If I have somebody who's, you know, based on their household is in a better position than it, you know, and they'd like to travel because we can, we can do all sorts of things on interest and stuff. So if we know that they love to travel and stuff, messaging around you know study abroad programs you know we can we can really hone in on that to get a higher yield rate to get them to from inquiring to actually applying from applying to actually you know depositing and enrolling um so there's just so much more that we can learn and the other thing before we go I, I want to mention about that all of this information that we're we're talking about is is pennies per record to do you know You know most of our colleagues in higher ed are used to paying 45 to 50 cents a name you know when they're when they're licensing names from the college board or act or some of these other places you know we're we're talking about you know being able to provide a file for 20 cents a name or less or you don't even have to get the file we can just create the file and then help you with your email campaigns and your your media campaigns and you never have to let them enter your system and then we just drive them to your website and know so it's it's far more economically advantageous if you're trying to supplement what you're doing right now with your outreach to build a file. Um and then your point Matt about the grad programs this is you know such a strong way to to reach those professionals who are you know 25 to 45 years old who you know I've done several of them in the last couple of weeks and it's really interesting because when you're looking at a traditional undergraduate student one of the things you look at is length of residence. How long has that head of household lived in that home. And typically it's 11 to 14 years or 15 plus years. I mean, these are the parents, right? That are established and now they've got some home equity and these are the kids that are coming to their colleges. But when we looked at the grad school program, typically what we're seeing is people who bought their home and they've only lived in their home for one to three years. So, okay, I've got my house now, I'm established, I'm into my routine. Now I'm gonna go back and take some grad courses and improve my economic abilities. So the profile is very different. But strategically, the same thing is giving you the data that you need to then go find the right households that look like your graduate students and get your message out. So, I'm glad you raised that. Those are two very important points. Yeah,
2: one of the things I get asked a lot is with the yield campaign, right? So, somebody's using Slate, for example, and they're able to go in their system and give us, you know, these are the people that have applied, these are the people that have started an application but not finished it, these are the people that have accepted and not deposited. We've had a lot of success working together of putting those people into our system, finding the devices there. And it's no different than what we talked about before, reaching the parents and the student, finish your application, right? Yeah. But it's an inexpensive way to reach them and stay in front of those folks and help move them through the funnel. And I have a lot of schools that will, will every week, they'll send me their, their accepted students list and they get ingested in and we find the devices in those homes. And I think one thing that's important, Joe, you talked about the cost of it, but the the other thing that I think that I appreciate, I think you and I, we've talked to, we are kind of chipped from the same mold about transparency. You know, I've seen you present exactly who we're going to reach and why. And I've been on those calls and, about this is what we found out. Does this align with your school's goals? And I know I've worked with some schools that have gone through this and said, but this is a new program. So the kids that had been tricked, or the, these were adult learners, right? These adult learners will, might look different, but there is some foundation of similarity in terms of, of what they are. But then we have to overlay something on it. Like they have to have a nursing degree to do their doctors of nurse practitioners, right? That That's a must have, right? Yep. Where before they didn't have that program. Um, so the people that came to their institution didn't have that. And secondly, I think from transparency, one of the things that you'll find is in terms of of who we're gonna reach and why, um, what methods, what it's gonna cost, all that stuff. We just try to be as transparent as possible. And it's more so to make sure that we're we're understanding what the goals of these campaigns are and how it's gonna be measured and, and when we turn it up and when we turn it down. But more importantly, I've talked to a lot of people that when they talk about modeling and things like that, they maybe work for, they've done this with bigger institutions. I won't mention their names, and they don't know what the secret sauce is behind it. They just get a score and they didn't get to participate in it. They didn't get to see it and understand it and say, I agree or I disagree. You know, I I think that's really important. And and would you touch on that a little bit? Because that's the other question I get that I can never really answer well. Um, hey, I've done this with somebody else and I just got a, you know, I don't know what their scoring algorithm was. I just got a list and here it is. And we execute the campaign nonetheless. But when I try to peel back that for some transparency, just to make sure that this audience is the correct one and we've got the correct artwork and landing page and message, you know, a, a, as part mm-hmm. of your prepare message program, you know, how would you answer that question?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we do is we always... Are very transparent. Like, like every predictive model is basically an algorithm that's built on a number of different, you know, um, factors. Right? When we share ours, we literally share. Here's the coefficient weights for each of the major factors that come into play that are driving this predictive model. So if an institution says, "Yeah, that makes sense, but we're really looking for this," you know, we we can change that. But our models are typically built where we can identify 80% of your population within 20% of the marketplace. So you, so instead of having to go after 100% of the records to find 100% of your enrollment class, what we're saying is the, the algorithm is built um, so that we would be able to identify 80% of your class within 20% of the marketplace. Um, so it creates the efficiency, right? And what we call lifts and gains. We would expect you to... to you know, given the model, we'd expect you to have a lot higher lift in these areas than a typical random sample would give you one to one. Right. Whereas what we would do is identify those households that might give you a nine to one lift. You're going to get nine times as many households to respond than you would expect in a random sample. And that's that's how it's built. But we always I'm looking at a file right now. We always share how the algorithm was built and have a discussion about that. Um, And even though the the algorithm has been built, we could say, yep, we're going to use that predictive model, but now we're going to shape it based on geography or we're going to shape it based on, you know, other factors that come into play based on the institution's goals, but it's always based on institutional um, feedback and and needs. You know, this is not just a, you know, one and done industry wide algorithm. This is built on each individual institution's um, student body as as it currently um, is um, developed.
0: Great. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, Joe, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Obviously, J. Bellavance Consulting, but let everybody know how they can get in touch with you.
1: Sure. So uh, you can go to my website, jbellavance.com, and you can also reach me by email at joe at jbellavance.com or, uh, you know, always accepting phone calls. I know it's old fashioned, but it's 774-757-7712. Uh, happy to have a conversation with folks uh, about their needs and, uh, and maybe working out a, a new parent program.
0: So. Absolutely. And we'll uh, we'll make sure to share. Uh, I'll get with you, Joe, if there's any kind of decks or any kind of the PowerPoint that on the four P's to reaching parents that you think would be beneficial to, to, to have it on our uh, our podcast page as well. We'll happily do that. And of course, you can get in touch with Matt over uh, with Q1 Media, Matt.magnarelli at q1media.com. Anything else, Matt, you have?
2: I just want to thank you both, Joe. Uh, Most importantly, thank you for the education over the last two years. You've really helped me understand the needs of of higher education and how best to use our technology. And you've pushed us into into new ground we've never been, which we appreciate too, because we're that type of organization that's always building what's next and and testing it and and making sure it works. So uh, I appreciate it very much. And thanks for your time.
1: No, I appreciate you as well. It's a two-way street, and uh, thanks for teaching this old dog a lot of new tricks. And uh, it's it's been it's been great. I you know one of the things I've really enjoyed the most is continuing to grow and, and learn. You know, and every day is a learning experience, uh, or should be. And uh, it's been a great learning experience for the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, that's what's beautiful about this industry and about you know Q1 Media, been around for 16, 17 years. Is this is the relationships and the partnerships like Joe and Matt have built? Uh, it really makes what I do fun and, you know, and, and being able to host something like this with both you guys and being educated and being able to, to share this with our clients and just show just the, the strength and partnerships that we've built together in this industry over the last 16, 17 years. So thank you guys so much for, for appearing on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks guys. Thank you. All right.